Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. So my job today is to wrap up our Bothered series, but also link into Christmas because we have our Christmas decks up. I've got my Christmas socks on today, the first time they've made an appearance this year. But there's some things like Christmas that really bother me. And I can't talk about bothered and Christmas without letting you guys know about some of my things at Christmas that bother me. So the first thing that bothers me, and some of you guys might be with me, is when you see something naff happening at Christmas. You know, you see like a naff Santa, <laughs> where like the elastic's coming out here, and, and it's just a naff Santa, and you're like, oh man. Or you see someone that's attempted some Christmas lights, but they're not that good. And the neighbour has got everything on display, and they've got one little bit of lights hanging out. Something naff at Christmas. Christmas isn't about being naff. Christmas is about doing stuff well. It bothers me. Another thing that bothers me at Christmas is when people give you a gift that's clearly not thought about. And so, when I was a kid, for some reason, I decided, I decided I liked pigs. Pigs. So every year since, and still to this day, someone on this planet buys me something pig related. So at home I've got piggy banks, I've got pig photos, I've got pig key rings, pigs everywhere. It bothers me. I don't like pigs that much. It bothers me. The last thing that bothers me, and this, this is one that, oh man, I, oh, I struggle to sleep when, um, when I see this happen in my household. And it is when my girls open up the wrong door on the advent calendar. Something inside me just bubbles up and I get bothered by the number not matching the date. Funny things bother me at Christmas. But today I want to talk about a real bothering at Christmas. I want to talk about Mary, who was bothered for a miracle. Mary, who was bothered for a miracle. And I think with Mary, we know the story. We know exactly what happened. So there's a tendency for us to rush through the Christmas story to see the very end where Jesus is born. But something so beautiful and special happens right at the beginning. So can we read this together in Luke chapter one? It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Favoured woman. Wow. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. Favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Come on. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. 
People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Mary had an encounter and allowed herself to be bothered for a miracle. Now there's some things that I find amazing about this because even when God birthed the world, he knew this was his plan. He knew it. He knew he would have to send his son through someone to be birthed for us. And he knew it would be Mary. And there's some practical things about Mary, where she was from. She was of the right lineage. She was engaged to someone from the right lineage, which would set up a meeting in Bethlehem where God wanted Jesus to be born. She was a virgin. She was young. But she must have lived in a certain way too. She must have, there must have been something about Mary in terms of her character and her heart and her mindset that allowed God to look at her and say, you're the one. You're the one. You're the one. And there's three things that I find about Mary, and I'd love to unpack three different things that I think map into our lives. And if we can learn how Mary journeyed this miracle with God, then our life can be opened to be bothered for a miracle. Bothered for a miracle. The first thing is that Mary was favoured. We read it three times. Favoured woman. Favoured by God. Favoured. Mary was favoured. And when I think about the word favoured, it can mean different things to me and you. So favour is in the mixing pot of God's grace and God's mercy and God's blessings. We use it in that terminology. Some of us may think that that doesn't exist. And favour, we create our own favour. We create our own favour through our skill sets, through our abilities. Some of us may look at favour as luck or coincidence or circumstances moving in a certain way which brings favour. And when I was studying this, I really wanted to get into the grips of what is God's favour? What does that mean? What does it mean when it said Mary was highly favoured? And I came across the Greek meaning of this word and it changed my mind on what favour is. The Greek word for favour is charis. Charis. God's charis over our lives. And it's where we get the word charisma. God's charisma over our lives and when I started thinking about that it changed my mind because it meant that every open door is God's charisma into my life every opportunity God's charisma in my life every relationship that opens up God's charisma on my life God's charisma and it's nothing to do with me it's nothing to do with you it's to do with who he is because it's his charisma over our lives, God's charisma over our lives. What's interesting is that the Bible is very clear on me and you being favoured by God. It wasn't just Mary. She understood it. She had to be told three times, favoured, favoured, favoured. But then she got it. And it transformed her birthing of a miracle. It transformed her being able to be bothered for a miracle. I've got a few verses here that I want to read to you. Note them down. If anything stirs in you, note them down and look at them at home. All about God's favour in our lives. Ephesians 2, 8-9. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so no one can boast. It's not about us. It's about him. 
Psalm 5, verse 12. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favour as with a shield. God's favour is around us as a shield. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. God's favour lasts our lifetime. Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. God's favour. Favour. God's charisma on our life. God's charisma. And the last one, Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favour from the Lord. Husband, say amen before your wife nudges you. (laughs) Mary, find favour with God. We are a favoured people. But we need to understand that first. We need to understand that we are favoured. The second stage of Mary's development, when she realised I'm favoured, she had to be obedient. Favour can lead us into obedience. Into obedience. And the interesting thing is with Mary's story is we can gloss over the fact that she, she had agreed to do what God asked her to do and then move on to what actually happened. But this is massive. The choice is huge. The stakes are high. She was engaged to be married to a man called Joseph. She had her life lined up in this way and God's dropping a miracle this way. Mary had to be obedient. And it's not a simple decision. I remember when me and Laura got engaged. We didn't just get engaged and that was it. The engagement then triggered a series of thoughts in our head and a series of plans in action in terms of wedding, in terms of family, in terms of house, in terms of what do we want our culture to be? How do we want to have our marriage to be? We were thinking over here. And Mary would have been thinking over here in terms of her plans. But God shifts her and calls her out to obedience over here. Mary had to be obedient. Favour, obedience. There's an interesting thing about obedience. With, with my girls, they are forever demanding my time and bothering me. Let me give you a story the other day. I heard Kez in her bedroom. She's in the third floor in the attic room. And she was screaming, and I mean screaming, Daddy! Daddy! I better go. Something serious is happening. So I run up the stairs, puffing and panting, get to her room. What is it, babe? What is it? What is it? There's a spider on my wall. (laughs) What? There's a spider on my wall. It wasn't even a spider. It was a fly. It was a midge. It was that small. She bothered me. And as dad, I ran. As dad, I ran. Another thing that Kez does, and it drives me bonkers, is, Daddy, Daddy, look, look, look. And I'm over here doing stuff. Daddy, look, look, look. And she's lying on the floor with her legs in the air. <laughs> showing me a gym pose. Oh, this is great, Kez, this is great. She's bothering me because she wants me engaged in her world. And so as the father, I'm engaged. But on the other side of the coin, it changes. Because when I, as the father want her engaged, it's a different story. So when I'm saying, Kez, 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 get ready for school, please. Kez, come on, it's bedtime. Kez, come on, eat your breakfast, do your teeth. She's too busy. She's too busy doing her stuff. 
She wants to bother the father, but won't let the father bother bother her. And how often do we do that with God? We're pestering God. We're saying, God, come on, God, I need this miracle. I need this to happen in my world. I want to bother God. And God is there. His focus is there. His focus is on us. When he asks us to do something, no, 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 no. God, no. I'm too busy doing here. I don't want to be bothered by you. And in this miracle thing, there's a, like a partnership of God being bothered and us being bothered. And it allowed Mary to birth a miracle. Favour. Obedience. But obedience isn't enough, church. Because Mary then modelled courageous faith. Courageous faith. Courageous faith. There's something about Mary's faith in her response where she says, God, if that's what you say, may it be. I will do whatever you want, God. And this challenge struck me where so often I know I can be obedient to God, but I do it through, through a gritted teeth. I do it through a, ah, oh, if you really want me to, God, I'll do it. We can approach our serving like that. When we serve um, on the 11th for our Christmas carol services, this room's going to be full of guests. And we can stand in this room, oh, if I have to be here, okay. So you're being obedient. You're doing what you've been asked to do. You do what you feel God's asked you to do. But you're ruling out the faith. Because maybe, maybe you could model some courageous faith. Maybe I could model some courageous faith that believes that on that day, what I've been praying for is going to happen. So I'm not just turning up with gritted teeth. Okay. But I'm turning up saying, God, this is the day. My family member that I've been praying for, this is the day. My neighbour I've been praying for, this is the day. It's the day. And that takes faith. Obedience won't get you that far. Courageous faith will. Courageous faith will. I love how God is so gracious to us because um, with faith, he doesn't ask us to, for much. He really doesn't. And on one hand, you've got in Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. Why? But then on the other hand, you've got Jesus talking to his disciples where he says, if you have faith as small as this mustard seed, faith as small as this mustard seed, will move mountains. Mountains. No faith doesn't please God, but mustard seed faith pleases God. That's God's favour in that way. He, he doesn't, ask us for, doesn't ask us for faith the size of a building, for faith the size of a, a like hot air balloon or an aeroplane. He asks us for a mustard-sized faith. A faith which surely, church, surely we can bring our mustard seed faith to him and say, God, I believe, I believe that you can do it. I believe you can do it. We sing songs all the time about God being a God of power, God being a miracle-working God. We believe you can do it, God. But do we really believe it, church? I find myself sometimes praying for miracles. But do I really, really, really believe that God can do it? Or am I just saying stuff? And that's where the courageous faith comes in. Stir something up in you, church. Faith. Courageous faith that I believe 
God can and he will. You've got to understand you're favoured. That leads to obedience. Don't sit there. Move to the courageous faith level because that's where dangerous stuff happens. That's where miracles happen. That's where Mary moved to. Mary moved to the courageous faith area. Courageous faith. God's so good. God is so good. And I know when, when the thought of miracles are talked about, there's a spectrum of miracles. A spectrum. And in this spectrum, on one end, you've got people that are sitting in this room or sitting at home and you don't believe God can. So you don't pray because you don't believe God can. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people in this room and at home that believe God can and you've been praying for so long. Praying for so long that God is going to do that miracle in your life, in your neighbour's life, in your family member's life. And what happens on this end of the spectrum is your disappointment sets in. And you start to doubt God. Because why hasn't God? And you start yourself, you question yourself. Why hasn't he? What am I doing wrong? Does he not care? And then our faith dwindles. And so we may still pray, but our faith lays dormant because our disappointment is active. And I think today, church, God's trying to stir us and encourage us to keep going, to keep praying, to keep seeking God and allow your faith to rise and your faith to become active and allow your disappointment to go dormant. Because maybe today's the day. And maybe God is just looking for you one more time to pray that courageous prayer, to pray it. And we can get trapped in our disappointment and our worries and our fears. But God is still a miracle working God. He's still full of power. He still wants to, he still wants to drop a miracle in your world. But he wants us to do something first. A mindset shift of, I am favoured. A heart shift of, yeah, I'm going to be obedient. And then a lifestyle shift of courageous faith, God. Courageous faith. One of the thoughts that struck me when I was studying Mary is that she wasn't better than anyone else. Anyone else? She wasn't more holy. She wasn't greater. She was just a normal young girl living her life in this way. And the thought struck me was, was Mary praying for this miracle? Was she praying to, to have a virgin birth and give birth to the saviour of the world? Because that's a mighty weird prayer to pray, if she was praying that. So I don't think she was praying that, and we don't know. But I think it was more about her living her life in such a way that when God was looking out, he was looking out and he saw her and dropped the miracle. 
she lived her life in such a way that I became a miracle landing zone. And the great thing about that is that miracles breed miracles. Miracles generally don't happen in isolation, but they breed other miracles. And there's a momentum of miracles. And by Mary birthing the Saviour of the world, look at the miracles Jesus did. There was an impact rolling on. And my challenge for us today, church, is to, whilst yes, we should be praying for the miracles, fully, fully believe that, we should also live in a way that allows God to look out from heaven and see us and drop a miracle. Because we're living our life in such a way that glorifies him, that honours him, that magnifies him, that he can't help but drop miracles in our world. But it takes us to to understand we're favoured, to live in obedience to him, and take the extra step into a courageous faith. Courageous faith. I've got one story before I land and hand back to the band. And that story is is only two weeks ago, so it's a fresh story. And um, Laura, my wife, she required some surgery on her back, been struggling with her back for a number of months. So it'd gone through multiple um, consultants and different doctor's appointments, different different hospital appointments, and um, ended up getting a date for her surgery a couple of weeks ago in Swindon. Why Swindon? Why Swindon? Why not Gloucester? So I took Laura to, to Swindon Hospital on the day of her surgery, and um, she went in, me and Ariella, my nine-month-old, then went to Morrison's for lunch. And um, Laura texted me saying, look, just so you're aware, I'm going to be first in today, so um, a few hours surgery, stick around, and um, come and get me when I'm done. Okay, that's fine. So we had some lunch, and then Ariella, Ariella starts getting fidgety. I'm looking at the watch thinking, surely she must be done by now. Surely she must be done. I've been here a few hours now. What's going on? It's quite a simple op. And then she, um, she texts me saying, oh, just so you're aware, um, consultant wants to see me, so um, go home because I'm now not first. I'm probably going to be last. Okay, so then I start getting a bit annoyed, but she's ready for surgery, so I don't want to let her know I'm annoyed. So the text back, yeah, cool, I'm still praying for you. And then me and Ariella start the journey home. We get about halfway home, and then the phone rings. And it's Laura. She's like, babe, babe, where, where are you? I'm like, on the way home. You told me to go home. And there's like, in my voice, frustration in my voice because I'm being ordered all over the place with a screaming baby in the car. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, don't go home. Do not go home. Turn around, turn around, don't go home. I'm like, you told me to go home. She said, come back, come pick me up, come pick me up. She turned around, drove to the hospital to pick her up. And by now I was seething. Like, what's going on? And she gets in the car and says, I don't need surgery. And that's all she said. So we spent the whole half an hour back, me just moaning. Just, just like, what a waste of a day. Like, how have you got to this point when you've been in checkups for months? Why are they saying now you don't need the surgery? Why couldn't they save us three months? I've got stuff to do, but I can't because I've been driving around all day. There's cost of fuel and car parks. There's stuff going on and I'm just getting angrier and angrier. And we pull up on the drive. And Lord turns to me and says, I was healed. <laughs> Sorry. 
And she said to me, yeah, my consultant's words were this. Your body has healed itself. If, if I operate, I will cause you damage. And we know bodies don't just heal themselves. We know that. But I missed the miracle. Because I was too bothered with everything else. Why? And how many miracles is God doing? And we're missing. Because they may be answered in different ways, at different times. And we're so bothered with our own stuff that God's doing miracles all over this place. And if we're not tuned into Him, we miss it. We miss it. Band, you can join me. So we're going to land this message. We've just given time for God to do something. I felt when we sang House of Miracles earlier, there was faith rising in the room. I could feel it, I could sense it. But I think God wants a bit more. And the interesting thing about miracles in the Bible is that whenever there was a miracle, it didn't just happen. There was an activation first. Someone had to do something to bring forth that miracle. Mary had to do something to bring forth this miracle. She had to live her life in such a way that birthed this miracle. And so church, as we sing this song again, allow God to, to do something in your world between you and him. Maybe you need to, to say to God, look, I understand I'm favoured. I understand what that means now, God. Maybe you need to, to move on from that and take a step of obedience. Maybe that's your next step. But maybe your next step is to, to move into the courageous faith category. And in this song, you could do all three steps. It's not like I oh, do step one and then wait a year. But you can move from favour to obedience to courageous faith like that. Because it's there and there. There and there. So church, would you stand with me? And as we sing this song, connect with God. Maybe there's an, an activation you need to do. Maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to get out of your seat and stand in the aisle or stand at the front. Maybe you just need to kneel. Maybe you need to raise your hands. Maybe you need to sit. Maybe you need to walk around. Maybe you need to just like cry. Maybe you need to praise God. Maybe you need to be silent. Maybe you need to sing loud. Right, allow God to stir you to do something to activate a miracle in your life. Allow God to, to probe you and pro poke you and allow him to do something so you're activating a miracle activating a miracle because by doing this we live our life in such a way that God can move God can move